I love that the truth, the fact that um, you're on a journey, every one of us is on a journey, and we either can be grateful and joyful, or we can be in those difficult, rough times. We all go through them. And yet, there is something really good about being in that place where God wants you. And knowing that um, no matter what, God loves you and cares for you. So we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. And before we do that, I'm going to ask if we would pray together. And you all look like you need to stand for a moment, okay? So would you stand? Part of this message is about being awake. We stand in your presence, God, because we are inviting you to come and to speak. We are inviting you to come into our hearts, into this church, into this life. We are inviting you to be where we're at right now in this journey. And as you are with us in this journey, we want to respond in ways that bring you joy, that cause your heart to feel grateful, that bless you, and then through us, bless all kinds of other people as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I I just want to share with you this morning three tips to start your day, because I really believe if you kind of start your day this way, it could also be the start of a whole new life. Okay, these are three things that I think are really important with regard to how to live in a grateful, more joyful presence with God and with others. And I, again, share this message because this is something that I deeply desire to want to grow in and have been really kind of pushing into, leaning into over the last few years. And and so what I want to share with you is from Isaiah chapter 52, verses 1 and 2. And it's a simple couple verses, and I have to share with you, the Old Testament is not always easy to understand. You really have to have the context to understand what's going on. And at this point, what is going on is there's this conversation. Isaiah has this poetic kind of story and book where there's conversation between God and the people, especially in verse chapter 40, the tone kind of changes. And God says, you know, you've been living without me and you've experienced the consequences. And they started to cry out to God in the midst of these horrible consequences and as they're crying out to God God says I hear you I'm comforting you I want you to move to a new place so as you get to about chapter 52 there's these conversations going back and forth but in chapter 52 verse 1 he says something specifically and distinctly to these people he says awake awake Zion clothe yourself with strength put on your garments of splendor Jerusalem the holy city The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion. Catch this. Now a captive. I'm calling you in the place that you're at right now. There's times when God says to me, Kevin, with where you're at right now, I'm calling you to wake up. I'm calling you to begin to dress differently. I'm calling you to start to engage life in a way that is actually what's coming. Ever had that? I'm calling you to actually live in my presence and the promise of what I have and my love for you. And that's what he's saying to the people here. This is a call by God for Israel to live in the reality of what God was doing and what he had done already in their hearts, which would be expressed eventually in their circumstances. See, in contrast to the closing verses of chapter 51, he's in chapter 51, verses 17 through 23. He says again to them, awake, awake. 
Rise up, O Jerusalem. Where Jerusalem is pictured as this wretched woman in a state of drunkenness. Staggering about in this hopeless condition with none, not even her sons to help her. And, and this is how she's kind of moving in this kind of state of not really being conscious of what's going on because of this of what's happened in her life and what's happening even now, maybe in her circumstances. And he's calling to her and saying, guess what? I want you to move. I want you to wake up. And so I'm going to share with you three things that I think that you do physically that you could do actually spiritually every morning, that if you do this in a in a in a routine way, it may change your day and actually may change your life. And there's basic three things you do all the time, but maybe don't pay attention to it with regard to your spirit. You see, we are both physical bodies with the soul and also our spirit. That when we open our spirit in a humble way and receive Christ as our Savior, His spirit enters into it. So His spirit is living within us. But yet we have an opportunity to say to our spirit, wake up. So there's three things that you do physically. And and this is what I'm asking you to do is get up, get dressed, and get going on your day. To do that spiritually. So the first one is really pretty simple. It's this whole idea of getting up. You're to wake up in a sense every morning. You know, you get up physically. So uh, when your alarm goes off, as you get up physically, there's an opportunity for you to consciously say, in a sense, spirit, wake up to the presence of God. And let me be aware of what you are doing in my day, that I will begin to choose joy and live in a grateful way as I know you're with me and what you are doing around me. Before your heat, your, your, your feet, heat, before your feet hit the floor, okay, you may be awake, the alarm went off. Now there's another alarm that needs to go off. Because before your feet hit the floor, may it be that your, your spirit is awake as well. That's kind of what he's saying. It's exactly what I think Isaiah is getting at with this whole group of people, this, this nation. And he can say that even to a church body. You know what? You as a church body, awake your spirit to my presence and what I'm doing around you. Live in the gratefulness of the blessings that I have provided for you in the moment right now. So verse 1, awake, awake, Zion. What I find interesting here is people don't realize that in the Hebrew language, the, the Hebrew language does not have a way of, of making, you don't have exclamation points. You don't have um, the ability to embolden or highlight or underscore or italicize something to make a point. So a, a grammatical device that would be used in the Hebrew language was to repeat something twice. So when you see it repeated twice, it's a way of saying, wake up. It's almost as if anybody has someone who is really tough to get up in the morning. Anybody themselves tough to get up in the morning? Okay, so you got like, let's say you have a kid and, and, and you got to come on, got to wake up. That's almost the picture he's getting here. He's going, Jerusalem, Wysetta, Kevin, time to wake up today. You see, when the light comes into the room, it's, it's not really morning in one sense. In morning in your heart spiritually happens when you open your eyes spiritually and your ears to hear in the spiritual sense. And you then become sensitive to the things that God is doing around you. And so that's kind of what he's saying here. I'm, I'm calling you to be awake. It's really easy to go through the day asleep. You ever, um, you, you know, maybe listening to something and then you zone out and all of a sudden you kind of go back in. I do this in the radio sometimes. I'm listening to things and all of a sudden I kind of zone out and then all of a sudden I go, boy, I wish I could just like the DVR play it back. God is basically saying to us, 
Wake up. Don't zone out. And go through the day and miss the things that God is doing. There is an opportunity for you to to be alive to what's going on right now in your life. Don't zone out. Don't sleep through what's going through this day around you. There's an interesting thing that you see here is this conversation between God and the people. It's this idea they bring up a complaint in Isaiah and then he responds, he complies with an answer. So if you look at chapter 51, verse 9, there's this interesting thing that he says that I think we often do. I find myself doing. There's, there's this, this verse in verse 9 of chapter 51. It's the people saying to God, Awake, awake, arm of the Lord, clothe yourself with strength. They're calling out to God in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of their day, They're saying, God, would you please wake up? Would you please notice my problem? Would you please get in touch with what's going on in my life? Would you wake up to who I am like you used to do? He says, was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced the monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road to the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? It's the picture of God years ago when they were in captivity in Egypt, coming, flexing his arm, taking Rahab, in in this sense, this this Pharaoh and his army, as they would part the sea and and they would go through it and then he would destroy that army. And and they said, God, come through for us like that. We're in captivity. We're in Babylon. We'd love for you to come and to flex your arm and show some muscle here in our situation. You feel like that in your own life? God, would you wake up? Would you once do what you once did? And I think the interesting response of God is because he's at work in their situation. His response is in chapter 51, verse 17, also chapter 52, verse 1. So he's saying this twice to him. He says, no, people, I want you to awake. I'm wide awake. You don't have to be rousing me up. I see your situation. I'm aware of the, of the captivity you're in. I want you to awake. I want you to come alert to what I'm actually doing right now. I want you to begin to praise me for who I am in your situation. I want you to start living in the truth of the fact that I love you. And when I promise to care for you, I will do that. So as you begin to do that, I want you to choose joy. I want you to be grateful. I want you to look at the blessings of your life around me. I want you to focus on my presence. Wake up. Get up in the morning. Get up in the morning, God is saying, and and wake and rouse your spirit and say, Today, spirit, I believe that you're present with me. God, you're not sleeping. You know, God does not take vacations. He does not He does not get you know leave work early. He does not in any way um, abandon you. He's awake right now to what's going on in your life. And I, I, I love this this picture of, of God. He's going, guess what, guys? I am awake. I'm actively doing what needs to be done right now. I would ask for you to awaken and just begin to see, even if you can't see the signs, to trust in the fact that I am with you. I'm I'm reminded of another story that I love in the New Testament. It's the story of of Jesus as he's um, in a boat. He's been doing all kinds of miracles. and, 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 And the disciples have all the opportunities in the world to see him doing these miraculous things. So they have this sense that with Jesus with them, they're in, they're in a good place. There's a sense that in this Jesus, God's showing up in a really, really unique way. That's at least they know that much. 
So they do all these things. They see all these things that Jesus is doing. At one point, Jesus says, let's get into a boat. He gets him into the boat. And, and it says here that I think Jesus was so tired, he says, let's go to the other side. And so they leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. So we, we, we get the picture that as they start pushing off the shore, Jesus is already in the back sleeping, and they're aware that he is. That's okay. So they're going across the lake, and as they're going across the lake, we, we hear this. There was also boats going with them, and then as it happened, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So the thing's going all over the place. The disciples, and we're talking about some of these guys were really experienced and competent fishermen. They'd been in big storms before. This is not a big deal for them in one sense, but this one seems to be really big because the boat's being tossed and turned so much, they're afraid it's going to go down. Then Jesus, it says here, Jesus was in the storm, in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I just, I, I get this picture. Here's Jesus in the boat, sleeping on a cushion. And it says the disciples woke him and said to him, Rabbi, they're rousing him out of sleep. Rabbi, wake up! Aren't you, of, aren't you one bit even concerned? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Ever been in that place? You're going, God, wake up, man. Don't you see my problem and my situation? Would you just wake up? And so Jesus wakes up, gets up. He really wanted a nap, but he gets up, walks out, it says, in the boat. The thing's going all over the place. Jesus looks up at the storm and he goes, quiet. I want to get some sleep. It doesn't say that. I think that's what's going on. And the storm calms completely. Everything is calm. Except for what's going on in the hearts of these guys. These guys are scared to death. They're looking at this Jesus in a way they never saw him before. It says in Scripture that they looked at him and they said, even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this guy? And then Jesus is so cool. I love what he says in Luke. He goes, he looks at these guys and he goes, where's your faith? It's almost like, you know, someone, if you go to the car and you're getting, trying to get in the car and the guy goes looking for, oh man, you, you go, where did you leave your keys? And, and it's almost like that. He says, where did you leave your faith, guys? You put it back on shore? Didn't you know I was in the boat? There's this sense that I think sometimes God calls to us and says, wake up, get up this morning, recognize my presence. Instead of us trying to wake him up to our problem, there's a sense that God calls back in conversation, complies back and answers to us, and says, would you just wake up to who I am? I, I, I'm not saying this because I got this down at all. There are so many times in my life when God is, I'm just calling out to God, where are you right now? The storm is so bad. I need you so bad. Why don't you wake up? Wouldn't you flex your arm and do something for me? And God's kind of sitting there going, man, would you quit trying to shake me? Would you shake yourself and understand who I am? I'm present. And I really want you to settle down and I want you to begin to enjoy what I'm giving you right around you today. In fact, what I want you to put your eyes on are those signs of my blessing. Because you know what? Those blessings are all signs of the fact that I'm present with you. And I am bringing you. I am working. You may be a captive now, Israel, but you won't be. So wake up. Wake up. The next thing he says is get dressed. You know, so the one thing you don't want to do is wake up, get up, and then... Run off in your PJs. Anybody have these kind of dreams where you're afraid that you're, you know, going out and you're going through your day and all of a sudden you notice that you're wearing your pajamas? Anybody have those dreams at all? I feel bad for you because I don't. I, if I'm in my pajamas, I'm going, this is great. What a great day. Um, 
there's this sense where he's saying, you know what, when you get up, you've got to take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. In the words here in, in Hebrew is this idea of clothe yourself with strength. First, he says, and we'll get to that in a second. And he says, put on your garments of splendor. The idea of splendor is the fact that he's saying, rise up. I want you to sit in throne. There's a sense that you have been given a new status. You're no longer a captive. What I'm going to do is take Babylon and I will put her in the dust. I will take her off her throne. He says this in a little bit earlier in Isaiah. And all these things are going to happen. But with you, it's just going to be the opposite. You're going to be actually put on a throne. You're going to shake off the dust. I'm going to actually put on you garments of splendor. It's this idea like almost getting dressed up for a wedding. You're going to be looking your best. I want you to wear your best. I want you to know that in the midst of this, you wake up your spirit, your eyes and your ears are hearing and sensitive to the presence of God. And I want you to go through this day dressed in a whole new way. And so he he gives you this picture. Now, I I, I think it's really important. This whole idea of getting dressed just doesn't happen, does it? You intentionally have to choose to put on clothes. And I've noticed that men and women, at the the risk of of, of stereotyping genders here, I'm going to do it anyway, um, they do this a little bit differently. And I can just only say this in my home because it's true for my wife and I. And, and she's much more intentional about what she's going to wear. Sometimes the next day, but sometimes even the week before. Anybody, you know, it's a big deal. You, you're kind of what clothes you're going to have and what you're going to put together and how it's going to match. And sometimes you've got to know what shoes you're going to wear. Do even sometimes see the weather. There's all kinds of things that go into it. And, and for most guys, here's the process. Is it clean? Hate to say it, but there is a sense, guys, that God is kind of saying here to all of us, you've got to be a bit more this way. And that is when you get up in the morning, you're awake to my presence, you need to dress in a way that reflects my presence. Get that? You need to dress in a way that reflects my presence. You need to carefully consider the clothes you're going to wear because there's certain clothes that are appropriate. He says, close yourself with strength in, in, in 51.9. Remember what the people were calling out? Wake up, God, wake up. Would you just close yourself in strength? God, would you act powerfully on our behalf? Would you show us some muscle on this occasion? We have some heavy stuff to lift right now, some big problems going on. And God seems to answer back and says, okay, people, I'm awake. I've never been not closed in strength. My arm has always been flexed for your benefit. But would you guys put some clothes of strength on? Would you guys show some muscle on this occasion? Would you guys put your faith on today? Would you right now flex your muscles of trust in my goodness and trust your, in a sense, flex those muscles of faith that I'm present? And would you then put on this kind of dress, just even if it means just contemplating the promise of my presence with you? If you begin to do this, as you begin to get up in the morning, then get dressed in that way and begin to even look for the signs of my presence. Would you put on joy? Would you wear gratefulness? Would you grab from your closet hope? Would you take faith off the hanger? Would you, in a sense, put on shoes of peace? Would you dress yourself appropriately so that you reflect what you are saying when you worship and you talk about me. I, again, I'm not saying this is an easy thing. This is stuff that God is really teaching me, and I believe He wants to bring the whole church into it. I think He wants to bring you into this. He wants you to get up, be awake. He wants you then as you are alert throughout the day. And I think He says awake twice because some of us hit the snooze button. Right? Real easy to hit the snooze button. He says, I want you to wake, awake. And then He says, here's how I want you to get dressed. 
Paul says this as, uh, as well when he goes on. He says, put on garments of splendor as you dress. You are to, you're, you're to, to put on these kind of garments that fit who you are in Christ. You know, some of the clothes that you had before don't fit any longer. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's saying, you know, you guys, there was a way you used to live. And the way you used to live was was a life that was motivated by fear because you didn't know that God really loved you and, and, and that he was really out there for you. You didn't realize that he would actually send his son to die on a cross, that he would do anything for you. You used to be motivated by fear. And then you had to live this life, too, that had to take care of yourself. You 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 had to watch yourself. You you couldn't be real vulnerable. You couldn't be real trusting in relationship to him. You had to be the kind of person because it was all depending on you to make it happen. And so you had to manipulate and have to do what you needed to do to get there. You weren't living the kind of life that I've given you now. You can dress in such a way that you go, this God loves me and this God loves me so much. As long as I seek to be obedient, alert to what he's doing around me and walking in, I can trust the fact that he is completely for me. Right? Yes. Yes. A few of you are awake. Um, no. And so he says this. That, however, this is not the way of the life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to take off the old clothes, get out of the PJs and get up in the morning and get dressed, which is, and, and take off those things that are corrupted by deceitful desires. Their desires, our inner desires, and there's nothing wrong with their desires, but it's our desires that become deceived, thinking that somehow God isn't caring for us and we've got to make things happen. And he says, no, you need to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So this is an attitude thing. The way you get dressed is with some of the attitudes you put on through the day. And you put them on early and you begin to intentionally think about it. Some you may have to do this the night before. Some you have to do it when you get up and you say, okay, I'm awake. Now I'm going to choose. I'm going to dress myself in this way. And I'm going to put on a new self, as he says, you're created to be like God. And true righteousness and holiness. And sometimes you need people to help you see the clothes you're wearing might not be too good. I was in a meeting on Thursday with Joel Bowers and a few other people, and it was kind of fun. Where, you know, how you have a conversation before you get into the, the meeting. You're, we were just eating, and um, and someone I had said something, and then, and and someone else started talking, and I saw Joel going like this to me. You know, he's trying to be kind of clever and secretive about it. And I just said, well, what? And right here. And, and then I, you know, I saw a little piece of lettuce and mayonnaise kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Because here's a guy looking at me trying to take care of me. He wants me to look okay. I, I look at this and I go, sometimes God says, you need some spotters in your life because some of the dress you're wearing might not be really good. And so you need someone to tell you that doesn't fit anymore. That doesn't look good on you. I um, had the opportunity this last Thursday night to go with my daughter to the Minneapolis Institute of Art. It was the third Thursday exhibit. It was the Made in America, kind of that cottage um, industry stuff. And, and so we were, we were going there. And here's how we ended up going there. I had actually seen on Twitter, yes, I, I, I follow a, a pastor, and his pastor wrote, thanks to Dave and all the fine folks at Almond Surfboards for making such a great board. So this well-known pastor puts it on there, and I read it, and I go, boy, I know Dave and Almond Surfboards. And so I was really excited about it, so I came home and I told my daughter, because my daughter went to PA school with his fiance, and I met him and I met his fiance, and one time when I was there, she gave me an Almond t- Board t-shirt, really cool shirt, I like it. Anyway... So I was all excited about it, and I, I texted my, my friend, some you know, John, who's out in the Bay Area, John Orberg, and I texted him because I knew he was into surfboarding. And the reason I knew this is 
One time we were out in California on a, we had this annual trip that we do together as college guys, and he arranged for us to go surfboarding. And so I'm out there. Anybody surfboard before? I've done it once. We get out there and we're swimming out to the middle. And I, I'm exhausted by the time I get out to where you're supposed to get up on the board. And we're, we're there with these five guys all in our 50s with two guys who are about 28. And I hear the one guy say to the other guy, he goes, how did we get the AARP group? <laughs> they got no tips. Anyway, you know, down the way was a bunch of these younger girls and they had some other friends who were helping them. And so, you know, we do this whole surfboard thing. And I knew that John might be interested. I said, hey, this guy's coming. I'm, I'm thinking, would you be interested in a surfboard? I share this with my daughter. My daughter says to me, guess what? Thursday. So this is like on Monday. Thursday, Dave and Almond Surfboards are coming to this cottage industry thing at the Minneapolis Art Institute. I go, cool. I'll wear my Almond T-shirt with this jacket. And they'll be impressed. So Ken, Kenzie and I go meet with Dave and we're just talking. And Dave goes, yeah, let me, you know, let me share with, let me introduce you to my the clothing guy. This guy, this guy, like Dave, is like 28 or so. And he's in this business entrepreneur. And now they're starting a clothing line. And so I'm meeting with the guy who's doing the clothes. And, and I show him my almond T-shirt. And you know what he says to me? Dude, um, we got a coat that would go with that. I, he was just pointing out the fact that this doesn't really go with what I was wearing. A little bit out of fashion. We have a Holy Spirit and we have sometimes people in our lives that go, dude, that attitude just isn't looking good on you anymore. And that was to be put off. There's a sense at times where we need people in our life that go, dude, that negative spirit that you have is just not becoming of who you think you want to be in Christ. Dude, you need to understand that as you walk through the day and you're complaining throughout the day, it really isn't kind of the kind of clothes that God kind of put on our body. You know, as you go through the day, instead of wearing shoes of peace, you're going around showing all kinds of discord. You've got the wrong shoes on. Dude, you've got to change your outfit. You know, I have kids and daughters and a wife who are really wonderful. One great thing about being a, a guy who has a bunch of women in the house is that if you wear something and it doesn't look right, they'll tell you. Do you you have people in your life? Are you willing to have people in your life that go, guess what? I'm not talking about physical clothing. You wear whatever you want. I'm talking about spiritual clothing. You have people in your life. Do we have a church that says, dude, that just doesn't look like what we want to be. There is this sense that he says here to the people of Israel, guess what, Israel, you're a captive right now, but guess what, I'm in your problem. It's time for you to to, to quit calling me to be awake to your problem and for you to be awake to who I am in this problem. And then as you begin to understand it, I want you to start getting dressed in such a way that it reflects. And I've got to share with you that when you're in the difficulties, this is not an easy thing. This is what builds your character. This is the kind of stuff that God says, I'm stretching your muscle of faith. So when you fail and you find yourself in discouragement, you find yourself in those places, don't beat yourself up. It's not what you're supposed to do. It's just admit it and go, guess what? I don't have to live that way. I need to put on the clothes. I need to dress in splendor. I need to begin to put on that clothes of strength. God, fill me with faith to believe what you said about me. There's clothes that God says you don't have to wear. It doesn't fit. It doesn't look good. And then he says you need to get going. 
You know, once you once you get up and once you get dressed, it means you get going with the day. You need to get on with the day. You need to grab hold of the day. You need to begin to make the day all that God has designed it to be for you. I say this a lot, and I would love for you to memorize this scripture in Psalm 118, verse 24. Such a simple one. But it's one that if you just say, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'll write it in my journal tons of different ways, but I do it every day. Today, today, God, you designed this day for me, and I'm going to, be, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to be glad because it's been designed for me. We sometimes have people come up here and they go on these um, short-term mission trips. And, and, and we, we pray for them. We pray for their safety. We pray for God to keep them healthy. We pray for all kinds of things. But often what we pray for people is we pray that they will have what we call these God appointments, that God will kind of allow for their path to cross paths with someone else, that they might be used of God to make a difference in their life. I was thinking about that. That's a really cool thing. And we hear these really cool stories because people are intentionally going about this trip with an understanding that God's at work. That God's designing it before they go. And I was thinking to myself, one thing I want to start doing in my life, because I've been asking God, how do I build into my life these things that bring about a sense of gratefulness and joy? I want to start looking at every day as being a mini mission trip. I want to wake up every day and go, God, today you designed this day. And in this day, there are, there are God appointments for me. There are, this is a mini mission trip. There's going to be times when I'm going to experience challenges. I'm going to go through the day and the person... You know, this isn't true where I work, but probably where you work, there's a person, you just go, this person's building kindness in my life. This situation's building patience. This, this challenge today, God, you designed for me because you want me to push through discouragement and believe you more than I did yesterday. God, today is a mini mission trip for you because you've designed it. Not only in this day am I going to have challenges that will, will reinforce what I say is true and become the kind of person you called me to be, but here's another really cool thing. In this day, you've got gifts for me. And I'm going to live in this day, in this moment, and be present as best I can in this moment. And when I see someone, I, will, I, I might actually get to see your smile on a person's face. I might actually look out and see the creation and when it's snowing, rather than complain, might see the twinkle and the sparkle of it. Well, that might not be happening. But anyway, there are gifts that God has for you. And guess what? If you don't wake up, if you don't get dressed, you won't be able to get going into the day that God has designed for you so that you can experience what he has in that day for you. And it's not just a daily thing. It's a lifestyle. We're on a mini mission trip, church. God is doing really great things. This verse that I haven't shared with you is just, I'll just kind of give you this quickly. It says, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter again. There was a time that in Jerusalem, before they went to Babylon, these defiled Gentile people, they would have said, these people who were not of God came and destroyed all the things in their life and took them into captivity. And God is basically saying, guess what? You won't be rampaged. You ravished again. You, Matthew Henry says it really well. He says, if you keep close to God and keep in with God, God will keep close to you and he will keep the enemy out. There is this sense that he's saying, guess what? You will not have to worry, as he said, about being defiled and, and this entering again. Because if you begin to wake up and address yourself in this way and you enter into a place where God comes in your heart, he has the ability once he's in to keep those things out. 
And then he goes on and he says, shake off your dust, which I think in many ways is the lies and all the things that you experience and, and rise up and sit and throw in Jerusalem. Free yourself from your chains around your neck. Begin to seize the day and begin to listen to what is true. Let what is true in here become true in your experience. Begin to live it out. Begin to grab hold of it. Begin to take these simple steps that you do physically and just do them spiritually. I received um, a note about a year ago from a lady named Linda. And this little encourages me a lot. Because I can so often, like you can, our problems become our focus rather than recognizing that, look at God has given me so much. Sometimes when I look at what has happened to others, it, it just changes your perspective. And, and in Linda's life, um, she was actually, Linda was a, one of the parents who was a friend to, one of my, to my oldest daughter. And, and at one point, she was driving from Trumansburg, New York, to Princeton with her son. And as they were driving, a car came up from behind, exceeding the speed limit. And so much so that I don't know how it happened, but hit their back of their car, pushing them off the road, flipping until it landed in a ditch. Amazingly, her son was not injured much, but she had incredible injuries, critical kind of condition. They actually, with the EMT, had to come in and they had to cut her out to get her out of there. And she's been in recovery. And, and so about three years ago, after this life-threatening accident, she says, she writes here, she says, this is three years after this accident occurred. She says, dearest family, friends, all you lovers of life, which I love that, lovers of life, I am joyfully celebrating this three-year anniversary of the life-changing events that thrust all of us into such big unknowns. You may be in those big unknowns. You may be in this place. And I love what she says. God is good all the time. So where have I come to? She's reporting and sharing a healthy, comfortable and joyous place of new normal. It is an environment that is always in flux. And gives me I like this frequent opportunity to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Gives me all kinds of opportunities to be awake, to get up, and to get dressed, and to go on life. And then, and she says, a, a medical sort of update. Let me give you this. So my arm is not straight, but works fine. In in this accident, she hurt her left arm severely, so it was not usable. She also lost her balance, had all kinds of vision problems. She says, so my my arm is not straight, but works fine. It holds a newborn wonderfully well. I'm doing color therapy with a light and some really rocking colored glasses. And it seems to be having an effect on my blind spots and vision. I'm also trying to, for, the, for my balance, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get into the pool to exercise and walk. And I do an enhanced senior exercise class three times a week, chair yoga twice a week, and a massage when I can arrange it. Pretty fun, don't you think? Then she says, I am grateful for the amazing options I have to take care of myself. Two other little thoughts from my lovely day as I was reading all your notes and love messages. I had an overwhelming memory of being blessed on an occasion by the Casillo community in Minnesota, which is where she used to live. May the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. It's real to me, she says. Being held in your hearts made my healing a blessed time. Some of you are loving people in difficult times right now. And your love 
is bringing healing to their life. The other thing was a song, she said. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What a great mantra. She would dress herself up in that every day. She would awake to the presence of God, even in her circumstances. And she'd dress herself up and say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I kept singing it to myself all day. My heart burst with a sense of God's abundant love and wisdom. Stay, she says, in the moment. It is where God is and life is magic. Stay in the moment. I hope you readers will feel my hugs and thanks and look to joy for this day as fuel for being a lover of life. In gratitude and love, Linda. Let's pray. Father, you give us a new day and in that day we can be in the moment with you. And in the moment, one of the things you call us to do is to be awake to get up, get dressed, and get going and recognize that this day before us can be filled with gratefulness and joy and all kinds of things in the midst of whatever's going on. So God, we are here to just praise you and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.